0: You know, I think it was Shakespeare said, all shades of opinion feed an open mind. And I think to expand people's, uh, you know, both uh, thoughts on this uh, subject of uh, population and its, its, its you know, uh, challenges, and, and also to be able to um, be able to talk about that and give permission to talk about that and to find a voice in talking about it and actually taking action, whether that's, you know, educating their friends and families and the public uh, on you know, uh, infinite growth in population and consumption and its destructive effects.
1: Terry Spar is my guest on this episode of Inside Ideas, brought to you by One Point Five Media and Innovators Magazine. Terry is the executive director of Earth Overshoot, a nonprofit dedicated to making nature and its resources central to all personal and public decision-making through targeted education and advocacy. Terry is a filmmaker, naturalist, and environmental activist, is an expert on sustainability and the intersection of human consumption and population as the primary drivers of environmental destruction. Terry is the producer of the 2020 documentary, Eight Billion Angels which establishes the connection between unsustainable population growth and our global environmental emergencies, including climate change. Through compelling stories, the film lifts the veil on a critical topic often purposely neglected uh, to the shadows of our personal, political, and international conversations. Terry is a graduate of the University of Pennsylvania, College of Arts and Science, And the Fell Center of Government. He has had a 25 year career in the insurance, investment, and real estate industries and is the former board member of the Long Foster Companies, as well as their philanthropy arm, a sought after speaker. He has presented at numerous conferences, forums, spoken on the radio, podcasts, and is a contributor to the environmental publications and blogs all over. Kerry, welcome to the show. So glad you could make it.
0: Great to be here, Mark. Thanks for having me.
1: I, I'm glad that you reached out. I was watching in afar uh, of your documentary. I have watched it fully and watched the uh, obviously the trailer numerous times, but I watched the documentary twice. Thank you for that. Um, beautifully made. I have to give you kudos and, and really say, you know. When for documentaries, you've, you've, you've done it in, in a good way where it's really not only pleasing to the eyes and watch the nature, the scenery, the way you do it, um, but I don't have to immediately have a heart attack or bury my head in the sand that we're just all doomed to gloom, that there is some hope of optimism and, and for, for what we need to do and some actionable things down the line. You've been doing this for a long time. You're very passionate about um, uh, science, environment, you, 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 uh, sustainability. Uh, how in the hell have you weathered this crazy pandemic, Black Lives Matters, people of color, Asian racism, Brexit? Uh, uh, I could go on and on. The pandemic, the lockdowns, the, the injustices and crazy things playing out in our world um with, with all this experience all the things you've been talking about doing your nonprofit has that any given you any resilience any any things to weather the storm and this craziness how have you been
0: well uh i would say there's a lot coming at us there always has been it's just obviously uh changed over over generations but uh, uh you know uh, I, I i need to update our uh, press release there that you read because uh it said uh, a 2020 film and we actually, as a, as a casualty of COVID, we were supposed to uh, do our world premiere and, and, and release of it last year this time, May of last year. And uh, uh, we had to postpone that and we just released the film two weeks ago during Earth Day week. So, uh, you, know, uh, you know, you have to, I guess, uh, be resilient as you said, Mark, and, and pivot and uh, adapt. And uh, we certainly did that. And a lot of other people have done that in, in, in many businesses and, and in their lives.
1: I did a documentary with Jim Raketas called now a uh, greater Toonbury and a bunch of other greats, Muhammad Yunus, a Nobel laureate was in it and, and, uh, same thing. So I, I kept teasing and said they shouldn't call it now let's call it later or yesterday or, or forgotten because it was also supposed to be launched in 2020. Matter of fact, right before the pandemic, they were scheduled to go with premieres and theaters and everything. Um, and then it just throws off, and so that in, in in and of itself is kind of not just a pivot, but uh, that that entire film documentaries, not all were prepared to be streaming, to be online, to to find some other models. Um, did, were there any learning lessons in that? But also, uh, w- what I'm really looking for, and I'm kind of leading you in a bit. All this, all these years, you've been talking about this. There's obviously data and and and. Um, a lot of factual stuff behind that but it's also a kind of a for someone who preaches it or talks about it should be a lifestyle has any of that helped you with this craziness weathering this or learning about pivots or have you had any resilience because maybe you applied some of those things you've talked about in your life in the documentary that that helped you weather this pandemic more and then now that you did release on earth day are you seeing people saying God, this is exactly what we needed to to get us through this craziness. And and now we have a little more understanding, and maybe we might have more actions, or we might do something to help some of these issues we're facing.
0: Well, I I know that you, uh, Mark, are a a sort of a a big thinking systems thinker. You know, uh, I, I read your CV, the, you know, dynamic systems modeler with a understanding of science and maths. And and one of the things that uh, I've observed over my lifetime, and I'm, I don't know your age, but I'm 55. And uh, what I have uh, seen in my short life is, is substantial uh, you know, changes, they're slow moving, but substantial changes to our, you know, our world uh, and its environment. And uh, uh, whether it's uh, the, the fisheries, and you know, we used to go to Maine every, every year as a child. And uh, I still go back now, you know, 50 years later, and, and they're just uh, hardly any fish in the oceans. We used to catch them abundantly the, you know the, the shorelines are filled with plastics and all kinds of detritus and uh, You know, the tides are a lot higher. They just truly are. And that's a, a, actually in the last decade, we've really seen that. So, you know, there are these changes and I think what uh, Is frustrating. And what I saw was that, you know, no one really wanted to discuss, you know, this um, you know this issue that is obviously you know relegated as, as you said in the, in the in the introduction to the sort of the shadows of our discussions politically and internationally and personally and that is that we have too many people consuming too many resources and emitting too many wastes. We have this you know, human impact crisis, uh, Mark.
1: And then, as far as coming out with the film, I mean, wh- were there some things that you, you had a different plan or strategy on how how to release that and and operate and get out to the people? And then through the pandemic, there was some some right. pivots or things. What can you tell us about a- that?
0: You know, absolutely. We were set for a um, a, a, a you know in person uh, North American uh, release in theaters uh, across uh, North America. and uh, that was scheduled for May, and and we had to pull the plug. You know, basically end of March on that whole uh, you know um, plan of action, and uh, sat back and and uh, sort of watched the landscape unfold as we all did, and uh, you know uh, finally decided that the you know uh, I guess it was probably the, the turn of the turn of the you know December January the new year here that we uh, felt it was uh, you know urgent to get our message out, and we didn't want to wait, and we just uh, saw that people going back to theaters probably won't even happen till you know, this fall even. So uh, here we are May. And uh, I don't think uh, we're going to still see people really gather, you know, even though we're getting, you know, decent penetration in this country and some other countries as far as the vaccine. So we uh, rolled it out two weeks ago to, you know, I think a, a tremendous reception, which was fantastic. And it was virtually uh, done.
1: Yeah. I love that. That, uh, that was wonderful. So a uh, fitting day, Earth Day. And uh, from, the comments and responses I read uh, following that uh, the, it was very positive, uh, well received um, overall. I'm sure I'm sure not everybody was was pleased and there are some shocking moments or some things where you feel oh um, you know there I, I want to I don't want to give away the the documentary. I, I really want to, people to go and watch it. I want them to figure out um you know, what's the most convenient way and watch it. But I do want to tease it a little bit and and give them a little bit of insight. But I want to go even more deeper, a little bit almost behind the scenes, data, wisdom, things like that, see if there's certain connections. So I've been doing this for for a while. And and, uh, matter of fact, it hasn't been released yet, but I uh, had probably one of your colleagues or maybe an acquaintance that you might know from um, the ecological footprint Mattis Wackernagel. he was on the podcast um, just two weeks ago and we had a, a fairly deep dive it actually went over it went up probably about two and a half hours podcast so we're gonna have to trim it down but it, it's based a lot on what he does you know Earth overshoot day and today is today the day we're recording this just as for my listeners is Germany, overshoot day may 5th cinco de mayo welcome uh you know normally a day i celebrate and um uh, in some respects because i love that culture and and food and and things but uh not a lot of celebration uh for for germany may 5th four months five days they've already hit overshoot day the day they're gone beyond their finite resources for germany my and we're gonna i'm gonna ask you this into it but WTF, what, is, what in the heck, where are we at? What, what's going on here? Um, you know, we're not even halfway into the year and they've already used all their resources. So there's, there's some glaring things going on. And my, my question and caveat with Matthias and, and Earth Overshoot Day How much of uh, you also have, I mentioned your nonprofit, you have Earth Overshoot, uh, and uh, how are they involved? How is the data? How do you get your statistics and and things? Maybe we can kind of take a peek behind the scenes a little bit on on where you get your data and calculations.
0: Um, uh, Mathis and I have known each other for a while, and uh, you know his, his uh, nonprofit, uh, Global Footprint Network, does really good work. And uh, they, as you said, Mark, they, they assess you know biocapacity, uh, which is our you know our the biomass that we have, our fish, our plants, our you know uh, renewable resources, and uh, our use of them. and uh, uh, you know, are we able to live within what our country can provide us, or are we exceeding that uh, carrying capacity? I mean, we're basically, you know, uh, uh, chewing into the, uh, you know, to the to the reserves that we have. And yes, today is actually uh, overshoot day for uh, Germany. Uh, 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 Mathis's Global Footprint Network has some very good assessments for every country. They do a lot of, uh, you know, uh, data crunching from UN figures. Uh, the FAO uh, and and there are some other assessment organizations as well that look at you know bio capacity or or ecological carrying capacity but I think they are probably one of the better ones so we like their data we use that we're separate from them uh, but uh, we're more on the educational side Uh, but uh, you know they have their earth overshoot day in which they say here's a day which with this country or the or even the globe you know, starts to exceed its carrying capacity and starts, you know, using more than just the interest, uh, you know, they're, they're digging into the principle. So yes, we, um, uh, we collaborate, and uh, I like their work. And uh, it's, it's an important part of trying to measure, you know, as math has probably said, measure what we treasure.
1: Yeah, exactly. He actually did say that. Um, a lot of this, so he's been doing it about 30 years now, Real junior started out with his, uh phd thesis and he he worked a lot with um a couple people so burt byers and he also uh, um, worked with uh, William Z e reese uh, who was his mentor and thesis and thing and i don't want to talk too much about him but a lot of that the ideas and the thought process behind that direction comes from herman daly uh, um, writings comes from kenneth Boulding's writings comes from Dana Meadows, Dennis Meadows, your grander, Steve Behrens Jr. At the Limits to Growth, you know, World Model 3 kind of modeling and, and systems dynamic modeling where we get some of these, not only the global hectare but biocapacity data. And there's almost an equation and way to calculate the data. And so I wanted to know, is is that kind of also how, how you do it or how? Because in, in the film as well, you or in the documentary, you... Um, let's let's just be on, honest and i said it in your bio is there's not a lot of talk and there's a lot of skirting around population growth you know facing 9 billion 10 billion in the future 2050 uh wh- where we're going and and how that affects uh, an unsustainable unsustain, planet a planet that uh, is kind of living beyond its natural resources but i want to i i get the feeling and Maybe I missed it, but there wasn't a lot of talk about that because it's kind of more an educational transition to get people to view things and see what where we've kind of gone over, like you mentioned the fishing in Maine and, and things. Um, but how did how did that journey start, I guess? How did you get into that and, 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 and uh, tell us a little bit more into that? I would like to get get a little bit deeper.
0: Well, I think uh, when you look at uh, the symptoms that are out there, Mark, uh, and you know, the, again, the the you know, work that Mathis does and, and uh, other assessment organizations, we are seeing basically every planetary system uh, uh, failing. And uh, uh, you know, climate change is is very real and it's very big and it's in the news every day and rightly so. But it is, you know, just one symptom of multiple symptoms that are afflicting our planet. You have the you know, the, the the degradation of our soils, you know, the fertility loss in our soils and the erosion of our soils has been dramatic since uh, World War II, since the 50s. Uh, you know, aquifers and rivers and lakes are being drained globally. You know, the, uh, the, the deforestation, we're losing essentially net forest of about, you know, the size of Greece every year. And uh, you're seeing the pollution everywhere, you know, across our lands and our waterways and throughout our airways. And uh, we see with the species extinction loss, you know, billions of animals a year are being exterminated. And, uh, you know, when you look at all these symptoms in their totality, they, they do paint a much larger crisis. And, and that is that there are too many of us, you know, consuming too many resources. And that gets back to this equation that, you know, the Bill Reeses of the world who you mentioned, the Mathis's use, and the, all ecologists. And that is that, you know, it's uh, our impact on the planet is a factor of the number of us, population times our affluence. Our affluence is our wealth, Mark. And that wealth or that affluence is really our income and it's our assets. And uh, you know, the, the challenge we have is that you know, all these films and a lot of these uh, you know, environmental organizations are solely focusing on you know, our consumption, which you know, falls under part of that affluence. We, we produce goods and we consume goods and that's our total wealth. Uh, and they're only focusing on that. And the challenge is it's very, very, very difficult to reduce our affluence. You know, um, you know Germany and is a good example with the Earth Overshoot Day today, you know, um, you know, to, to get to a, 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 a essentially a sustainable Germany, uh, you would have to the country, the residents there would have to reduce their affluence, their wealth by about two thirds. It's dramatic. I mean, can you imagine changing your lifestyle, basically eliminating two thirds of your income and two thirds of your wealth? It's just it's 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 practically impossible when you look at it on a global level. It's 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 an enormous challenge. So um, uh, that's why uh, the film is there to introduce this other part of the equation, saying you know we do need to you know discuss you know this issue of unsustainable population growth. It's it's very that's very real and very present, and it really is, as you saw in the film. Uh, Malleable, you know, it's 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 influenceable in a way that is, you know, with wonderful, uh, you know, um, human health results and wonderful social health results and environmental justice results.
1: Um, Boy, we we can really go deep already. So I love I love your response. I'm I'm, uh, thank you. Um, I want to ask um, kind of another bigger, bigger question and uh, and then go back into a little bit more. more data and 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 wisdoms that have existed out there for a while mm-hmm. there's this there's this big discussion about you know not only globalization but uh global citizenry do you feel like you're a global citizen and how would you feel if you lived on a world that was without nations borders divisions of man human beings from one from another um, and do you think that is something on, on the spaceship Earth that, that we could achieve and reach? Or what are your thoughts and feelings on, on that?
0: Um, I think we all have to deal with life as it is, not how we might like it to be. And uh, it, you know, that might be a, a nice idealistic uh, vision, but uh, I think there's just too much self-interest and too much culture and too much history that you would ever see You know, even, uh, you know, you see uh, merging of certain regions and it uh, oftentimes ends up in lots of conflict and civil conflict and and wars. So I don't see that happening. Uh, We can certainly, you know, cooperate better and uh, uh, hopefully through education, understand our impacts that we are having with each other. And, you know, you know, the United States and Germany are, you know, two countries that you know, are highly reliant on you know massive imports and imports that are coming from a lot of these developing countries and uh, we're you know causing a, and inflicting a significant amount of environmental damage in these other countries because of our you know voracious appetite for all the materials and resources and energy that we need to you know live uh, you know what we consider a, a, a good lifestyle
1: I totally agree and um, th- thanks for answering that. I mean, uh, it's a hard, and I don't want to. I don't by no means want to put you on the spot. I really believe that this commodity, global trade, uh, companies, co- organizations, or have really been global for for decades already, kind of working uh, uh, even during the pandemic. So pa- during the pandemic, um, unbelievable how you know humanity was kind of stuck in in four walls or behind borders and locked down. But uh, food, air, water, soil, species uh, still still found its way around. And uh, there was a, a big re- recoil to more local, more regional, but also that big impact was felt on how strong our our, our global ties are to, to many other uh, areas, you know, and uh, especially with the vaccine production, especially with um. um different things that you know we're we're seeing emerge out and so there's there there's there's that aspect of it but there's this other aspect that i'm kind of uh this division of humanity one from other doesn't really exist uh, uh, except for on a national level we've become during this time kind of very nationalistic and one against each other saying you know well if the Ch- chinese don't do this if the if brazil doesn't do this and and, and uh, it's, it's kind of dividing ourselves from, from each other. And we're all kin. That's the crazy thing. You know, um, we're all distant cousins. We're all kin. And, and uh, um, Carl Sagan really said it nicely. He said, you know, there's this consciousness emerging that sees the, the earth, the world as a single organism and an organism divided amongst itself or fighting against itself is doomed. And, uh, um, and, and that goes back, I mean, to what the way you answered it is that we're kind of, you don't see humanity coming together and being able to do that, that we're too strong and consume in, in this, whatever you want to call it, capitalism, this uh, other uh, form of uh, influence or uh, how, how we look at it. But... Uh, That could also be defined as the human condition. Uh, Do you have any thoughts or feelings about this human condition? Why why are, are we kin and cousins, homo sapiens, yet we can't align with each other on a common path forward? Is money so powerful? Is capitalism so powerful? Is consumerism so powerful?
0: Uh, that, I, that's a deep question mark and uh i, I want to go I, deep <laughs> you know I, I think uh i'm not a psychology major but uh certainly self-interest plays a role i think uh you know if you look at uh, uh what's the what's the uh, uh pyramid that uh
1: I'm, I'm maslow's this. hierarchy of needs
0: thank you maslow's hierarchy of needs that you know we all you know need safety security food shelter clothing the basics of life and uh you know, or we'll die, and we need two thousand calories a day, basically, on a consistent basis, or we'll die. So, um, I, I, and we have a deep desire to procreate. That's it's, it's, it's a, that's certainly an innate thing. So, I think um, you know, um, self-interest is, plays a role, and and that self-interest, when organized in societies and civilizations, uh, creates, as you said, sort of a super organism of self-interest within a, a region or a country, and then. You've got the entire superorganism of all these varying self interests that you know are basically you know, state-run, and then you have the individuals within those states that are have self-interest. So, uh, I, 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 you know, I don't know if we'll be able to change that, uh, you know, uh, to to much of a degree that would make us all cooperate all the time. There've been, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, I guess murders and deaths and, and wars fought for forever since there was civilization. So it's a uh, I don't. I, I just hope and pray that we all are educated enough to understand the consequences now, especially in a global world with global, you know, armaments that you know, can annihilate a lot of, you know, our, our humanity.
1: Back in um, 2015, I was given a lecture at a couple of colleges at Oxford, and um, I was uh, well after after I, I was done. I was approached by. <clears throat> Um, a couple people that uh, some, some, some statements and support from Jane Goodall and from uh, David Attenborough came out uh, really on population. And um, it's a sensitive subject. It's, a, it's a, people's uh, tempers, eyes. Uh, I, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, you see a, a, a physical change when that, when that comes up. And uh, I was really surprised that uh, Jane Goodall came out with a video statement talking about it. She has several times. She's in, uh, I believe in the first part of of your film as a documentary as well, uh, seeing some very interesting things and then David Attenborough as well. besides the the uh, ecological footprint data which is based off bio capacity which is based off of global hectare um, different sources of data is there is there something else pushing that that discussion or were that where we come up and we want to talk about that or, or
0: um, I think that's a great question question is 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 what's pushing that discussion and why is this pendulum swinging towards you know having this conversation about unsustainable population growth and i i think what the challenge has been is that you know the past 40 years uh it's it's been in it's been in the closet it's been in the back seat and everything that we've been doing for the past 40 years has hasn't worked and you know every symptom that i mentioned is getting worse at, at a global level mark so you know do we keep repeating the same thing over and over again and expect to get different results because that's you know, the definition of insanity. So I think uh, there is a, a growing recognition that we, we do need to have an honest conversation about our numbers and the impact they're having. I, I also think if you really study the, you know again, back to that equation, the impact equals the number of us times our affluence. If we study the wealth side of it and the, and the you know, consumption It's, it's as I mentioned, it's extremely difficult to reduce our overall consumption. I think, you know, the COVID is a very good sort of uh, uh, example of of that challenge. You know, COVID uh, in two thousand twenty, we saw you know the global economy contract by about five percent. You know, a substantial uh, financial hit for you know many families, uh, businesses, countries. uh, Let alone the health, you know, uh, uh, know, uh, travesty. So five percent is uh, was was you know uh, a, a a pretty substantial hit. And when we look at you know Mathis's and Global Footprint Network's uh, you know work that they've done as far as analyzing you know our biocapacity, we would need to reduce our total uh, economic activity, our total consumption mark by about fifty percent in order to live sustainably long term as a global society. Uh, and so imagine we'd have to basically have a, uh, you know, a, a retraction in the economy about 10 times worse than what COVID delivered to us involuntarily. It's, it's just, it's enormous. And it's just, it's, 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 un, it's it's just not going to happen. So, uh, you know, that's one of the biggest challenges with reducing our consumption is no one really wants to do it because you know, when you look at what a sustainable lifestyle looks like, Mark, and I think you'll find this kind of fascinating, I've, you know, I've taken again, the Global Footprint num- Network's numbers and, and other assessments from other organizations, um, a if we were to live equitably, you know, almost 8 billion of us, uh, that lifestyle would look like essentially each and every one of us living in a a small bedroom, maybe 12 by 12 feet with a small bed in one corner and a small kitchen in the other with a tiny little stove and a tiny little refrigerator and maybe one outlet to plug our cell phone in and maybe one switch for a light. And it would have me not having any central air, no central heat, no central hot water, no washer or dryer or or a dishwasher because you only have a couple sets of clothes and a couple pairs of shoes and just a few sets of tableware. And it would be never eating fish or meat Uh, only having a plant-based diet and a local one at that and never driving in a car and never flying in an airplane. That is essentially a sustainable lifestyle for us, for, you know, globally, if we're going to, you know, live equitably, you know, with all of us. And the challenge is you've got three and a half billion people, including you and me, who are living way above that sustainable level. And how do we get these people who are in scores of countries around the globe uh, coming from all different kinds of cultural you know, backgrounds, political backgrounds, you know, economic uh, situations, how do we get them to simultaneously and voluntarily you know, reduce their material standards of living by 50 to 90%? You know, it's, it's, it's impossible. Uh, and, and the other challenge is the four and a half plus billion who are living below that sustainable threshold, uh, and the, you know, the, bioethicist in the, in the bioethicist in the film brings this up, he says, you know, we should give them the space to, to grow and to consume more and to, and to, you know, live better lives because it's a social justice issue. And, you know, he's right. So, you know, we've got a real conundrum here where you've got, you know, the wealthier people who are living above that sustainable threshold who have no interest or very little interest in trying to reduce their wealth to that level. And the people who are living below that sustainable threshold, you know, want to live better lives and should have the right to do so. So it's, it's a real challenge.
1: In the documentary, you um, take us to India. And you take us on um, um, very eye-opening. I've been to India several times, and and um, it's a uh, it is an eye-opener. But I mean, there was times where in uh, you know, all three weeks I didn't see the sun once. Uh, I felt like I was uh, locked into a smoking chamber in the airport, or into some kind of a confined room. of smokestacks just, I just. It was horrific and, uh, you know, see people living and functioning, but there's a little boat ride that occurs there and we're looking at basically open sewage, black water, you know, um, truly black water and and, um, it's an eye opener, but uh, on a a country uh, that is uh, a huge population, huge numbers and um, just seems... Uh, in some respects, it can feel hopeless. What What the heck are we going to do? How How can we fix these problems? And And why haven't we started sooner? Um, there, uh, I, I loved it, and it was an eye opener. It would drive me to action. I hope it wouldn't make others do otherwise. And I think the way it was done was very, very. Uh, uh, honest and, and uh, ethically okay it was uh it was it was reality but it wasn't like okay just forget it you might as well give up today um which i like but that there there's some really crazy schools of thought or different schools of thought i i guess how we could do them steve pinker in his book uh, 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 enlightenment now um as well as hans Rosling and, and a couple others to, present data and, and and talk, say, actually, you know, we're going to see the numbers kind of level out and take a dip. We were not going to go above 9 billion. And as India comes up, as Africa comes up, China comes up, uh, we're going to see kind of a bend the curve populations going to kind of level out as, as people reach that affluence and, and have different lifestyles that uh, w- we hear that that one version or those versions of, of, they're almost predictions, you know, that's what they're seeing and predicting on how it's going to go. And I hope most of those are done off of a dynamic modeling and, and uh, numerous endless amounts of scenarios to get a high probability that that is highly likely. Um, but then it comes back to this thing is, as we look around us, whether we're in the developed world or in, uh, in an undeveloped world uh, or country, um, I just don't see the infrastructure getting up to speed. I just don't see us providing that global hectare, that biocapacity for each individual to, to live on that footprint that we're lagging behind. But, it, but in that is my question. I do, bl- I do believe there's a hint of truth that if we could bend that curve and get our infrastructures and efficiency get, not just on renewables, but how we live differently, that that we could actually live on the the, the earth overshoot is calculated on a global hectare, 1.6 global hectares, which is replicable. And the reason we have earth overshoot because on a global average, we're 2.98, something like that, global hectares, which is a deficit of point something global hectares per person. And so the, 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 the reason I bring that up uh, um, is that's almost um, not business as usual, but that's a high carbon scenario. That's us consuming uh, unbelievable ways because we're actually consuming more than we have. We're not living in planetary boundaries. But what if we had a better operating system? What if we had a society that says we'll never let humanity get below poverty and hunger and suffering. We set the bar higher. We 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 build better infrastructures, and we think not just replicable hectares of what's available, what we have with our carrying capacity of, of humanity and the growth of humanity, which that would fluctuate daily, but what if we started to update our, our infrastructures and, and provide everybody with the basic needs and Provided in a way that is seasteading, going vertical, being more efficient with passive homes and renewable energy and solid infrastructures. Even with that, do you think we could bend that curve? And like Steve Pinker and 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 uh, uh, Hans Rosling said, you know, kind of that that it's gonna be a different scenario? Or are are you setting firm that you just don't have hope in us? Or could give us some looks into your mind and those involved in in the documentary and 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 tell us a little bit more how how you present it why you feel we're going this other way and i promise we're going to get out of this uh kind of the the deep end and and the more solutions that you present more towards the the later half of the documentary and and how there is some hope and what we can do and it's not you know uh what some people might be thinking but i don't want to spoil it too much i want you to tell us about that
0: I, I'm fine with you, sort of, uh, uh, you know, talking about the film. I, I think um, what we helped to try and uh, see, uh, you know, or help the viewers understand is that um, addressing the, the population issue is not something we should fear, and uh, you know, it's it's deeply moral, it's deeply fundamental. Excuse me, fundamental to uh, what I would say is grow smaller gracefully, and. Uh, you know when you uh and and it's interesting you mentioned india you know here's a country with uh, i think it's like 1.3 billion people now and the politician in the film there who was uh, one of the you know uh most well-known politicians in india speaks he says you know uh it, the 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 challenges that we're seeing with as you said the polluted river and the polluted airs are are you know incredibly uh, uh difficult they're intractable is the word he used because uh, that comes from so many various sources and so many people putting pressure on the environment for just basic living. And he said, imagine if, if Mark, if we uh, you know, uh, were just to get everybody electricity to improve their lives by providing electricity to the 200 million plus Indians who do not have access to electricity. He said, that's gonna create even more pollution and more you know, uh, damage to the environment. And that's the, that's the, that's the conundrum is you've got, you know, the more that we improve people's lives, the more damage we cause to the environment and uh, but we need to do that so how can we do that we can certainly try our best as you said to to to, to you know uh, not be as uh, polluted and uh, what we find is oftentimes it gets shifted it gets shifted to other countries so the united states has done a good job of cleaning up its environment but as a result we lost a lot of that manufacturing here because it became expensive to manage that and we pushed it offshore to other countries that didn't have those environmental protections so it gets shifted and that's a that's a that's a, a challenge that needs to be addressed and it's not an easy thing to deal with because we're not one global society um, so I, I, I guess that's a sort of a you know my thinking is uh, and my thoughts are that uh, I, I hope we can flatten the curve when it comes to uh, our, our population growth we're adding about 80 million people a year and you know they all need they need Clean water. They need, you know, food. They need uh, shelter. They need clothing. And you know, those resources, uh, uh, you know, they do cause uh, an impact on the environment. Uh, any 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 organism, no matter how benign, you know, uh, impacts the environment around it. And uh, so we we have to recognize that uh, the sooner that we can. Uh, flatten that curve and start to you know gradually reduce our numbers so the better we the better we'll be off and what's interesting is in India again you look at how that has happened there they're continuing to grow you know they have I think if they're replaced they're they're not a replacement yet but they're about 2.4 children per women uh, per woman and uh, there is a part in the film where we're down in Kerala Mark if you recall that's the state the southern state of India and uh, what's fascinating there is when You know, that that state for the last 200 years has educated girls and boys and uh, not just, you know, young men, but women. And uh, they have uh, really made a priority to empower women, to educate them, to provide them good access to reproductive health care. And you know their fertility rate down there is about one point seven. Because when women are educated, you know they tend to be in the workforce. They tend to be uh, certainly improve their health, improve their living conditions. They have fewer children. They space them more. Uh, and their families and their lives are far far better. And the environment actually begins to restore itself because there are fewer people putting that pressure on the environment for their basic needs.
1: I absolutely like, love that part uh, of the of the documentary. Um, I say often that actually two of the biggest ways to draw down, as Paul Hawken as well said in his book, Drawdown, is really to empower women and girls. And and, um, it's not just education, it's their basic needs, it's their lifestyle, that they're um, not married off at an early age, that they get that education, that they get those jobs and positions and that equality. So there's numerous different aspects of how that just flattened the curve, but also is a game changer for not only population growth, but better stewardship over families, better stewardship over our planet and how we do infrastructures much different. And and, um, I loved that. That was, you know, one of the most wonderful parts uh, of the documentary. The whole thing was wonderful. um, Don't get me wrong. I I just want to kind of go a little bit deeper because I, I, uh, um, I just don't watch to watch as entertainment, I watch to kind of educate as you're, you're an educator and you're the people you want to kind of present them with something they may, might not have heard before but also might be taboo or not a subject that's uh, easily approached and how, how do you do that and you do it in such an eloquent way you do it in, in the right way where it's um, it's not difficult. Some of the numbers are really hard for humanity to fathom. We don't understand the exponential function. We don't understand these large uh, billions. is, is just a, a hard for us to fathom. But uh, the way the, you mentioned how many people, how we're growing every year, um, to break that down to have an infrastructure, and this is why I broached the subject of infrastructure. If we had some drastic, if, if we stop the high carbon scenario or business as usual if we had infrastructure that provide the basic needs and the necessity of everybody i think that that would also help bend the curve but what what does that mean well the 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 number you mentioned what it means is we'd roughly need to build about 60,000 schools every single week just to keep up with that growth one we're far behind that and two we're not doing that every week to keep up with educating and growing just humanity it doesn't matter women or girls it's just period um to educate everybody in the future and so we're already building building into the system poverty hunger no education you know not just the paris agreement not just what's talked about in the ipcc uh, um, not just the basic needs of humanity we're just not doing it so um That leads me to my next question, and I, I if you don't want to broach it, we don't have to, but we're we currently operating under a, a civilization framework, a global civilization framework, and there might be a few pockets of these civilization frameworks around the world um, um, that are there, um, but humanity is becoming... At dis ease, a little bit unrestful with our, our, our conditions around the world, with what's going on—not just the pandemic, but with Brexit, with the Amazon burning, and Bolsonaro, with Putin, Shea, Duarte, Erdogan, whoever—the Trump you apocalypse, know, the, the Oompa Loompa, and you know the inauguration. People are dissatisfied. They're not. They're at ease, and uh, what happens? is uh is or is not clear with this big history kind of a picture is we've had more than 20 civilization frameworks that don't exist anymore and all but two of those 20 early incas uh, aztecs mayas early mesopotamia uh, greeks romans uh, ancient china ancient greece on and on 20 all but two don't exist because of ecological or environmental collapse and they were pretty advanced civilizations and no they didn't have computers and satellites and go to the moon but they were doing pretty good i would say why did they collapse and why would we feel that we won't collapse and there's um the question is do you see an emergence of a new civilization framework something that will carry us beyond 2050 something that will work for all humanity do you feel that disease as well and is that why uh, another reason for the documentary or does that tie into anything what, what what why you did the documentary and maybe share your feelings with us on that
0: um i, I think the challenges, and i don't know if it's hubris with uh uh, uh human uh, uh you know our our, our our the way we think and the way we live but um uh we're no different than other species mark um, and as you said, uh, you know, 20 plus civilizations in the past have suffered from uh, you know uh, collapses, primarily because of environmental issues. Whether it's a, a lot of it was soil loss or desertification or, or other or, or, or water issues as far as uh, scarcity. But um, I, um, you know, can we uh, forestall or uh, prevent a, a similar collapse now at a global level? Uh, because we have essentially exploded to every corner of the globe in just the past 150, 200 years from, you know, going from a billion people in 1800 to 8 billion now. And yes, we can, because of fossil energy, deliver food and water everywhere. And we can deter practically every disease before it wipes us out. You know, COVID is going to obviously impact us, uh, you know, uh, our our mortality numbers, but not to the degree that that's going to, Really, do much, uh, uh, you know, long term. Um, but we, and we've done that with all these other diseases too, just because of the technologies that we've been able to create. So, you know, do we have the wisdom? We certainly are clever species, but do we have the wisdom to see this and recognize this and see that you know we are living far in excess of what the Earth can provide us, and at some point there are going to be significant constraints, and uh, as a result, conflict and. Uh, I hope we have that foresight. I hope we have that wisdom. I'm, you know, very concerned because it is a, a massive macro issue. I, I've read and studied and seen, uh, you know, estimates for the future. And, you know, in, in by 2040, Mark, we're expected to have another, you know, billion plus people on top of what we have now. And those billion people consume annually 3 billion farm animals, and they're going to need a heck of a lot more land, which means we're going to have to you know, uh, uh, you know, denude uh, a lot more forest to feed those, you know, animals so as far as pastures and crops for them. Um, we're expected to have, and this is from BP Energy, uh, 30% more energy consumption. And they anticipate that half of that, it will still come from fossil energy. So, you know, we've got these enormous complex systems out there that exist. And uh, we, you know, and, and everything that I've read and studied and seen where we're heading, even if we can, you know, reduce our fossil fuel use. Uh, that that doesn't mean we're reducing our material use. And uh, as you said, we need sixty thousand more schools just for the next couple of weeks. Or well, I don't know the numbers. Just every people. week.
1: It's every week. It's um, I mean, just to fathom it's, that, you know.
0: And then you know the, the the numbers I've seen is about ninety billion tons of of minerals and metals and materials and energy, fossil energy and biomass that you know, we consume as a, as a global society annually 90 billion tons. And, uh, you know, in 2060, the OECD, and I think it was the global status report, uh, expected that to double as far as the amount of materials that we will be extracting from the earth, which will place even more enormous pressure on the environment. So uh, we have to recognize and be able to see in the future. And that's, you know, we are a species that has that ability to think abstractly, you know, will we do it? And will we have the wisdom and, and the Ability to talk honestly, as we're doing, you and I, about these you know big issues that also have a lot of sensitivity around them. You know, reproductive autonomy, um, you know, politics, uh, religion. You know, go forth and multiply. And that, that might have been good back in you know a thousand years ago or two thousand years ago, but it's a different world now. And uh, it's uh, we have to you know, be able to, as a species uh, and a global society to talk about this and do it in a way that's you know ethical, ethical and honest.
1: I'm glad that I can have an ethical and honest and deep discussion about something so hard with you and you you don't take offense to my questioning. It's None of it's ever a personal uh, attack. It's just, I want to get all angles uh, of the story. I want to get all sides and understand it uh, as best as possible. I'd love to remove bias. I'd love to get into uh, sense-making just so that we can Kind of take a step back for a second and have that overview effect, that uh cosmic perspective to understand are we getting the big history are we getting understanding it have we understood collective intelligence are there some chunks that we don't know about or that we haven't read or haven't seen or are not educated in i mean obviously education's a big uh, issue regardless so that we're way behind on that. a lot of people aren't getting that a lot of people don't have access to the uh, the podcasts and, and the books that that we do are the data um, and so uh, we're in a we're definitely in a conundrum of, of where we need to move forward and and we have this thing that's real it's kind of it's really funny so i i, I uh, kate Roworth um, who does the donut economics she she surmised it very nicely it's this Weird societies, you know, it's where Western educated, industrialized, rich, and democratic, and uh, it's here in these weird societies where most of the economic research is done, uh, and thereby they're very biased, and they're also done by a lot of white male economists. There's not too many, you know, um, uh, that's that's the stereotypical, uh, you know, economists, these the, the white males, and and that's not. Typical to a, a good diverse depiction of our globe of our world of all those people that we're discussing here now and um we, we need to get some more of this equality uh, um <clears throat> so i think we want to go just a little bit deeper if that's okay what what would you say um, um is the most important thing when somebody watches this documentary that, and I, I believe you've done it very nicely that you want to convey to, to them what, what you your hope to achieve, um, with your message with the documentary and are you already seeing from earth day? Are you already seeing that result starting to resonate with people?
0: Um, I think, uh, You and I, and and others who are uh, hope to be influencers, I I, I find that, uh, and you know this as well, that emotion moves people. It's not statistics. And, um, you know, when you look at our film, we we didn't have any graphs, we didn't have any narration. It was purely people uh, living and telling their stories. You know, some were scientists, but a lot of them were everyday people who. Uh, we're in India, we're out there, the farmers in the Midwest and or uh, the, the, the uh, you know, oyster farmer up in Maine and uh, the, the, the struggles that they're seeing and uh, in, in trying to live their lives. And so I think uh, emotion is important and to try and connect with people emotionally. And that, I think that was the, the goal of the film was to help people expand, as you said, you know, to, to, you know, I think it was Shakespeare said all shades of opinion feed an open mind. And I think to expand people's, uh, you know, both uh, thoughts on this uh, subject of uh, population and its, its, its you know, uh, challenges, and, and also to be able to um, be able to talk about that and give permission to talk about that and to find a voice in talking about it and actually taking action, whether that's, you know, educating their friends and families and the public uh, on you know, uh, infinite growth in population and consumption and its destructive effects. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, I think it's important for uh, us all to be able to be able to, you know, bring this to the, the forefront of our conversations and and address it. Because the sooner that we can, you know, reduce that curve, I think there'll be enormous, um, you know, justice for not only for, you know, humanity, but for the natural world.
1: So, and the farmer in the Midwest that you mentioned, I I think that's a perfect way you said, but I just brought up a thought of, uh, you know, I watched the documentary twice and, and there's this really unique point and that's what I liked about it. It's very, there's not a lot of bias and it. it's just showing all sides, the good, bad, the ugly, <laughs> um, and you know, that this Midwestern farmer kind of says, you know, I, I don't, I can't remember if he says devil or evil. He says, I, I guess I'm the devil or I'm evil. I'm the evil one, the bad guy. Um, and, and But there there wasn't a set. It was up to us to decide based on the story and the journey we followed him on, what he honestly told us and business as usual or his operations is very honest, a nice guy, uh, uh, you know, that, you a, know. A good but soul. Then he, yeah, good soul. I mean, and and the story and a long history of farming in his family and and how he got in. Very open, honest, uh, all cards on the table, so to say. And then he basically gave us. He says, "You decide." He says, "I, I kind of have this feeling, but you decide." And I just I love that because um, uh, you know, and there's there's always two sides to the coin there's also multiple stories cultures and ways to view and and um, sometimes these civilization frameworks going back to what we discussed a few minutes ago um, have set us up on the wrong path have, se- uh, have not given us a lot of choice um, we're kind of stuck in that hamster rat- uh, uh, wheel for um, in certain certain aspects you know uh, we we can only do so much and so um i believe there are some tools i believe there's through education and and empowerment we can really change that and and you bring that on towards the the end in in a nice way um i i I guess i'm at a different level so i would even like more because i want to i really want to have an impact i want i i like i'm gonna go down kicking screaming fighting i want to i want to you know try to make things as good as possible um and I think uh, it's interesting. Really, yeah. Go ahead.
0: I'm sorry. Ahead. I was just said that you mentioned the farmer, and you know, he, he said he looked at the director, and he said, "Am I good or am I evil?" And yeah. uh, he was using what he said as a limited resource, which was the aquifer water for the farming, and uh, he's using it up faster than what is being replenished. And so he said, "You know, uh, you know, should I be leaving it for future generations?" And uh, you know, it's interesting that he recognizes that, but you know, we all. We all do that in our daily lives. From you know the the materials and resources that we use. Uh, I you know just finished a really good book called "Blip" by uh, Chris Clugston. And um, have you heard of that, Mark? I have. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's really about all the non renewable natural resources that we have and how we've essentially you know uh, you know denuded the lands and and now we're really struggling to find these resources, uh, especially in Europe, a little bit in America. And less so in China, and less so in Russia, but uh, you know these are the big the big countries. But uh, they are limits, and there are limits to growth, as you were saying at the beginning of the podcast yeah. or the radio show. Uh, there and sure so, is. Uh, you know, I, I I hope that we can uh, model those uh, resources as a as a global society, at least from a, a country level, and you know prepare for um, you know their eventuality when they will run uh, low, and uh, be able to pivot, and and also be able to set. I would say, you know, the right expectations with society too, so that, you know, when we transition through overshoot, uh, you know, we, we maintain our, our happiness. We, we, you know, find the good in others. And, uh, we go through that process, uh, you know, uh, gracefully because, uh, it's not easy to, you know, when, what happens when we have less energy, it's going to, you know, be difficult to adjust and that, that will eventually happen. You know, the, the oil and the gas and the coal that's in the ground is not uh, limitless. And, uh, the studies that I've researched and read uh, says that the second half of this century, uh, there may be some significant implications on our, our, our energy reserves and, and being able to serve you know society. And that'll drastically impact us.
1: Absolutely. So the World Economic Forum is coming forward right now and, and um, or since the pandemic. And really, uh, they're in this modus, the great reset. That's the, the verbiage and, and, um, that they're using, that we need a great reset. Um, I mentioned Kate Roworth earlier, Donut Economics. Uh, Johan Rockström, Professor Johan Rockström, it's uh, Planetary Boundaries. He just came out with a new white paper. Uh, it's very interesting on, on our natural capital and natural resources. Um, um, there's the the Green New Deal. Obviously, I'm biased. I, I believe strongly in the Paris Agreement, even before that in the Sustainable Development Goals as our 2030 not just agenda, I believe it's the, the, the world's first global moonshot, 197 countries for the first time ever decided on a plan of action, a roadmap of how to get to better futures with monies, backcasting, foresight, targets, indicators. And I, I re- really, I don't see any other global kind of plan to improve poverty and, and gender equality, empowering women and girls, etc. cetera out there ever um and it's hardly even recognized nobody's speaking about it nobody's really kind of it's you know it's just a, a blip out there but that leads to my question what's the plan do you believe that there's a plan that there's like a, the new green deal donut economics planetary boundaries the scg is there some kind of a a a a a, a a great reset or a rescue plan, a roadmap to the future that can maybe bend the curve, flatten the curve, get us to a better future.
0: I, I guess I would just pose this to your viewers, uh, Mark, and you know, there've been 34 international you know, climate conferences over the last 40 years. And if you and I and everyone else looks at, uh, you know, the increasing CO2 emissions every year and the accumulation from parts per million, they keep going up and up and up and up. So again, do we continue to, uh, you know, have these, uh, you know, conclaves and and, and conferences and, uh, you know, can we get together and do something? I think it's a, a significant challenge. I, I, I look at what happened in France a year or so ago when they tried to uh, um, impo- impose an additional carbon tax, and uh, you had the basically the the citizens revolt because of the, uh, yeah, exactly. the additional cost. So I think it's going to be a real challenge to, and we need to do it, because we do need to get off carbon, uh, both for climate change, but also for the fact that we're not going to have much in the ground maybe in 40 or 50 years, so we do have to find alternative energy. And uh, I think that's even more of a concern than, than the, or, or as much of a concern than, than, than climate change uh, as far as our, our energy use. So uh, I, will we make those changes? I, I, it hasn't happened yet, and I think we'll still see those numbers march as far as what those estimates were that I showed you from or to share with you from BP. Uh, and, and population growth and the impact that's going to have on more energy need and more environmental damage. So uh, I think we have to have this conversation, and it has to be on an international level that we all have to really look at: Do we need to have endless growth of population? It's to me, it's it's a, it's a far healthier. There are a lot of countries, Mark, that are actually reducing their populations, and they're doing it all voluntarily, all ethically, uh, all in a human rights context, and. They're seeing enormous, enormous improvements in, in, in the health and welfare of their citizens, and, and the environment's beginning to restore. I mean, you look at Bulgaria, Lithuania, Croatia, Japan; uh, these are all countries that are, are in this process. Uh, and some of it's not even they're they're doing; it's just happening, you know, just because of uh, you know people's choices. And uh,
1: I love that. Can you tell us a little bit more about? Uh, some of the positive stories you're seeing, in some of the countries that that we need to be aware of that that are doing this. It's nothing new. It's been going on for a while. Kind of give us some more hope and optimism. How we should see this discussion, and 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 how how we can do it. Where we, we, I, I think some people, when they even get in the discussion, not not only religiously, cult culturally, but it's just. It seems like such a hard thing. And in your documentary, you don't make it a hard thing at all. You make it something that's a no brainer, kind of like, okay, yeah, all right. This is it's not that bad. I thought it was a lot worse. Uh,
0: But there are a lot of headwinds. And, uh, you know, in the documentary, the, the one gentleman from Population Media Center talks about, you know, the economics and the politics and that, you know, there's this narrative out there that says you know, we must have more people because that means more growth and a better society for all. But as you said, you know, look at the, the 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 infrastructure needs and the healthcare needs and the education needs of this growing populace. It's an enormous strain on society and the infrastructure from the transportation needs. It's an enormous uh, uh, impact on society and, and also the environment. So, uh, you know, I think uh, it's a, it's a, you ha- we have to shift that narrative and I think economists have to start to look at you know is it all about growth and exploitation of resources and go down with the ship or how can we balance what we have in, in nature and live within you know what nature can provide us and and that's 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 a shift that has to happen uh, at a at a, certainly at a granular level mark, uh, meaning we all have to feel that and then we all have to voice that. And then I think politicians will react and the and the globe will react to the global society will react as well. But we are the ones that have to understand that. And that's what I, a lot about what you're doing and others as far as trying to help move that, move that, you know, move the needle there.
1: I, I like the way you answered, you, you kind of said, you know, none, none of the plans out there, none, nothing that we're describing is really, <clears throat> it's working because look at history look at look at how have we done it in the 35 times before have we done it in in all the years where are we going and and you know we're breathing the same air and and drinking the same water that Gandhi did that uh Caesar did you know whoever the famous person you want to see and uh, um reminds me of Gandhi he did amazing things uh colonialism and a lot based around food and 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 um at the end we couldn't come together those religious those cultural couldn't come together and and yeah they overcame colonialism but then they're just right back into um the the same bad situation and uh we're not learning from our lessons we're kind of repeating the same mistakes einstein's problems theory that you mentioned earlier You know um we have to look at our problems differently than when we created them and uh, that's how we'll well, solutions uh, come up with those solutions i really like how the whole documentary moves us in, in that right uh, right area and um there are a few other documentaries i told you about mine but there's that are, they're kind of emerging out there another one's Endgame 2050 with moby and i i forget the doctor's name she's also wonderful from um guadalajara mexico Um, and um, that's a wonderful thing. The reason I I bring up these documentaries, and so I I believe on the educational journey on this journey to uh, envisioning a different future, envisioning some tools, tips, and tricks of how we get there, my big question or pet peeve or thing that I kind of want to work in, I want to discuss this with you, not only because you're a producer, and educator, and you Created this wonderful documentary is if, if I go to the movie theater, if I go to Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever, and uh, uh, even before the pandemic, and I wanna I wanna see a vision of what that sustainable future, that resilient future looks like. What twenty thirty will look like? What twenty fifty will look like? Excuse my French, Jesus. It's pretty it's pretty scary because everything i see out there is very dystopian we're fighting over some resource or fighting each other it's mad max it's total recall you know whatever it's it's pretty dystopian i can't think of too many beautiful depictions of, of those times in the future and how we're, how that feels like in a, a vision of what it feels like and how we're going to get there you you dated yourself. I'm also in the same area as you are. We're both uh, up there in age. And when I was younger, there was Star Trek and these these they were sci-fi, but they were you know a, a non-smoking future. It was a future with no uh, not money as an economic model. There was a different economic model. There was transporters and food generators and and it was just, and a lot of those things we kind of came up with, and gender diversity and, and interracial marriages, all sorts of things, uh, relationships that, that we learned from that. And, and because of those visions, I would say because of those visions, we were able to engineer, architect, create, and design, say, oh, I like what I saw on Star Trek. I want to create that for the I would really like a tricorder or a cell phone, smartphone, whatever, 3D printer. And, and I'm, I'm bound and determined. Let's make that happen. I don't have any media besides maybe a TED Talk and dystopian black mirror and and no real visuals media of showing me how in the hell can I get to that future? How can I engineer, create, architect, design, get to that future? And when, when it comes, it comes in the form of what we see these documentaries. And they're one and two off. And they're competing against all sorts of stuff that's really feeding our amygdala wouldn't it how how would you feel if we had a few tv series that really showed us a, a sustainable future what it looks like to live in a future of 100% renewable energy no fossil fuels 100% no poverty no hunger what how would it feel if we had series that showed everyday interaction life and maybe even if it was movie magic that we could kind of feel what that would feel like to be there so i want to get your take and your feeling uh, because right. you have a heck of a lot more experience in this area than i do why can't we do that
0: yeah i think what, what if, if i understand you what you're trying to describe is hope and uh exactly. I, I think uh, and that's uh, uh there are a lot of people uh, a lot of ecologists that i and and scientists that i you know communicate with online through these listservs mark and um you know, there is, you know, very, very guarded optimism uh, uh, just uh, because they're concerned with the human condition is we're not uh, wise enough, we're clever, but we're not wise enough to, you know, look into the future, as you're saying, like Star, you know, like star Trek and all these other future uh, scenarios, and to uh, be able to say, well, if we wanna see this future and this path, here are the uncomfortable things that we have to do now. And no one really wants to, you know, delay gratification. They want immediate gratification. They want, you know, the the stuff that we have, and they're not willing to give up that stuff. So, I, I think it's going to be very, very challenging. And I just hope that we can do it in a way that is graceful. You know, I I, I need to work on these numbers, Mark. But from what I can read and understand, is that you know, if we were able to get the global fertility right now, which is about 2.45 children per per woman, if we were able to get that down to, you know, one child or 1.5, you know, within a fairly short time, meaning a few generations by the end of the century, uh, we could be down to a population that may be sustainable based on our current lifestyles. Um, So, you know, it is doable, uh, and it's just, it's like the Titanic. It, It just... It, it takes an enormous amount of time and energy to make that shift on a, at a global level, and uh, you know everything that you and I do can cascade. So you know what you're doing is wonderful, uh, and uh, what we're trying to do, I hope, is wonderful. And uh, you know, the more people that uh, you know, and I think that bioethicist says this in the film, that the more people who are talking loudly and often enough about whatever it is, you can then begin to see changes. So. Uh, I hope that uh, we'll see more changes that uh, will put us towards that sustainable future. It uh, requires sacrifice. Uh, It requires uh, recognizing that, you know, uh, we have a certain carrying capacity here on the planet and we have to make sacrifices to live within that carrying capacity. It's not something that we're going to want to do, but we need to
1: do. Yeah, I I love how you say it's hope because it really is in many respects, and I'm I don't mind using movie magic to not just give us that hope, but to show us what, what that future would look like. Does it look something like from our childhood or, or how nature used to look back in the Uh, seventies what does it look and feel like? And, 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 you know, uh, do people not smoke? There is there no more fossil fuels as electric vehicles, whatever it is, but just even show us that on a, steady basis on a series all different languages so that we can even envision not really show us how to get there it's okay for it to be movie magic but then i would think wouldn't we want to say boy that right now what i'm seeing on other channels other media or whatever is it's not really what i want and so it scares me i put my head in the sand the number the data the charts the statistics it's all overwhelming and so i feel overloaded i just am tired and depressed i don't even want to watch it but if I show, saw something different and, and it wasn't the, the human interactions were maybe a little bit more improved, that human condition was different. Um, one of hope. I mean, the, the, uh, is the human condition, is that hope? Is that uh, or, or, or is it really? Uh, I mean, you kind of surmised it a little bit when you, you when you touched on that. I, I, why can't we why are we so divided? Why can't we even movie magic have that? And then say, we're gonna figure out a way, a path or engineers, inventors, social entrepreneurs, filmmakers like you say, okay, well now we're doing these projects. Anyway, I, I know we can't solve these problems, but I, I would just love that our documentaries, our, our visions of the future uh, were, were shown to give people some some of that hope some of that vision so that they can they're create, humanity is so creative that they can engineer and, and invent and create those I, I know we can achieve it um i don't know how but i know we can but yeah so um i don't know if you have anything else to say that i just i think you're thought, right i think
0: you're right people want a vision of a future that's cheery that's uh hopeful and that doesn't require sacrifice um I do think uh, that we do need to be told the truth and that there may be sacrifice that needs to be done. And uh, I just hope that we can, you know, be, you know, uh, you know, uh, go through that in a way that we look at the positives in it and uh, find the happiness where it exists and, uh, you know, continue with, as you said, a resilient, uh, you know, uh, outlook on life. And, uh, and you know, there wasn't, you know, the, the folks who lived before fossil energy, you know, living in... Uh, and in the hunter-gatherer societies, they lived good lives. They didn't have all the health care that we might have today and some of the other doodads and knickknacks and, and, and contraptions, but you know, they lived happy lives. And so we don't need a lot, but we have a lot. And uh, I don't know if we're gonna be able to you know, willingly wean ourselves from that, but uh, you know, as, as it happens to us, because nature won't be able to provide it, hopefully we can recognize that and go through that process with you know a, a good heart and uh you know hope and and a, a, you know a positive outlook
1: i have uh, four last questions for you the <laughs> the next one is the hardest question that i will give you today it's the burning question wtf and it's not the swear word although maybe you've been saying that as well um it's what's the futures What's the futures? Where are we going? What's your vision? What's your hope? Um, what, if you were to give us a little vision of what your futures are, what are they? Share them with us. Uh,
0: I have no idea what the future, you know, uh, will, will you know, unfold and how it will unfold. Um, I, I, you know, certainly want to live a, a life that's closer to the earth uh, that, you uh, you know, I, I, I live in the suburbs of a city and uh, looking to move in the next year or two to a more of a rural region and to be closer to nature and to uh, do more, you know, uh, work with the land uh, and be less reliant on, you know, outside systems and, uh, you know, I hope uh, people do that I hope they get back to the earth and I hope they um, uh, you know, see the value in nature. And it's hard in the city environment for people to see the value in nature. They just haven't been around it. And many people are born. And that's a paradigm problem, Mark. You know, it's like you and I uh, remember when there was a lot more greenery in nature around us and abundance of biodiversity. And uh, But if you're born today, you, you really, this is your paradigm that you know. And so it's it's a different way of uh, looking at it, and I hope we can educate the youth today to to see that uh, you know there's a balance there with our, our our planet and an important one that we need to work with.
1: If there was one message you could depart to our listeners as a sustainable takeaway that has the power to change their life, what would it be? Your message.
0: Um. I I would say having a small family is probably the most, it it is the most profound action by far that an individual can undertake toward fixing the, you know, climate, uh, uh, healing the environment and uh, improving both uh, their lives and and the animal world.
1: What should young Producers, directors, innovators, sustainable activists, environmentalists in your field be thinking about if they're looking for ways to make a real impact?
0: Um, Certainly connect emotionally with the viewers uh, and, uh, you know, uh, just uh, approach everything with passion and dedication and determination. I think. uh, you know, persistence and determination are, are omnipotent. Uh, we, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a critical uh, feature and they're gonna be a lot of people who will, as you know, Mark, will uh, you know, have a target on your back and uh, you just have to, you know, know that what you're doing is, is right and, 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 uh, uh, and with, you know, with the deepest, uh, you know, ethics and the deepest uh, um, belief and uh, doing the right thing by others.
1: And the last question is really what have you experienced or learned in your journey so far that you would have loved to know from the start?
0: You know, I, I came to the film, Mark, with the deep concern for the natural world. And uh, what uh, unfolded to me through this process of making the film was the enormous um, uh, impact that, uh, unsustainable population growth has had on human health. As you saw with India and the, the number of people who are dying annually for just from you know, uh, um, you know, the polluted air or the polluted water that they drink um, to the you know, human health costs that come from high housing costs. Like look at California and, and people having to commute long distances. But when they're you know, paying enormous amounts for rent or, or purchase prices, that they're sacrificing maybe with their healthcare, or they're sacrificing with the nutrition. Uh, or if you look at what's happening with CO2 emissions into the atmosphere and you know the, the, that descends on our crops and it actually changes the nutritional value of many crops and, uh, uh, or, or it, uh, it can impact us in, in, in other ways health wise. So I, I never really saw and understood the human health toll that uh, you know population growth has, but it's enormous. And uh, it was a, it was revelatory to me and uh, the solutions were revelatory as well, which were wonderful. And as you said, with like Paul Hawkins book, you know, it was, I think it was revelatory to him where, you know, the number six and number seven of the top 10 strategies to fix climate change were educating girls and uh, uh, you know, providing uh, uh, universal access to modern day contraception. And those two when combined were the number one solution. So uh, I, I guess the, uh, that's that's, uh that's my thought
1: that that's a good thought and thank you for sharing that for those are all the questions i have for you today and i'm just surely so thankful for your honesty and openness and that we could get into some depth and and have a nice exchange is there anything before i say goodbye that you would like to depart or say that we didn't get a cover or that we kind of skipped over or missed that that we need to know or did we did we get a pretty good ground today
0: i, I think it was, it was great and i really appreciate your your interest in and in, uh you know exploring these uh, deep issues and uh, systemic issues and uh, i would say if there you know, viewers out there are interested they can certainly learn more about the film at the you know our website which is uh, eight billion that's the number eight billion angels.org And, uh, or they can also go to our nonprofit, which is earthovershoot.org. And uh, at both those uh, areas, they can certainly learn more about, you know, what we've discussed today for the last hour.
1: So we'll put all the links and all that into the show description notes and links and, and things and give that to them. Terry, thank you for letting us inside of your ideas. It's been a sheer pleasure and I wish you a most wonderful day on today, May 5th, Earth Overshoot Day for for Germany. Thank you very much, Mark. It's been a
0: pleasure.